The Longbox Crusade presents Fan Bill Fridays. Welcome to another Fan Film Fridays. I'm your host, Clinton Robison, still trapped down here in the basement. But unlike normal, I'm not alone. Uh, For the last few hours, I've been sitting back over here by the computer watching LBC founder Peppy Pat Sampson digging through boxes and turning circles down here. So, I give up. Pat, what are you doing? Oh, oh. Oh, hey, Clinton. I didn't see you over there. You're like a ninja down here in the basement. Yeah, I kind of noticed you didn't notice anything. Uh, What exactly are you doing down here? Uh, Oh, uh, I'm down here just hunting for uh, uh, nothing. Nothing. I'm counting Jared's Sky Strikers. Yeah, that's it. Uh, One Sky Striker, two Sky Strikers. Okay, so that old piece of paper in your hand is an inventory list? Uh, uh, Yeah, of course. What else would it be? It's definitely not a treasure map. A treasure map? And it leads down here in the basement? Oh, okay, fine. Yes, it's a treasure map. I found it upstairs with Rick's stuff in the fridge, and, and it looks like it leads to something big down here but I can't quite figure out the clues. It's a shame I'm not Indiana Jones. Yeah, funny you should mention that. Uh, While you try to figure out those clues, do you want to relax with an Indiana Jones fan film? Kind of get your brain jogging a little bit? Well, it beats Gene pointing out all the Sherlock Holmes things I haven't seen before. Yeah, uh, you'll have to tell me how that guy gets to come and go as he pleases later on. So, Pat, do you have much experiences with fan films? I've had very little, but it is increasing as I've been uh, listening to the Fan Film Fridays. Um, My earliest fan film probably was the Star Wars one, Troopers. Really enjoyed that one. So when you did that, that brought back a lot of memories (laughs) of the time. But I've definitely been enjoying uh, the ones that you've been putting out here on Fan Film Fridays. Oh, good, good. And I'm sure you have at least some experience with Indiana Jones, right? A little, yeah. I've been He's been a favorite of mine since he came out in the, in the 1980s. I uh, always loved it in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, man, I can remember as a kid, a memory that goes back is when the movie was on like HBO Showtime, whenever it was playing on there, I would take a tape recorder and record the whole movie of the sound and all that. Uh, and then when it wasn't playing, I would go back in my bed, close my eyes and plug in the tape and listen to the whole movie back. So <laughs> That's really neat. Yeah. 
I, I, I don't know if I still got the tape or not, but it's probably somewhere. But I would do that uh, for Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark. I remember dressing up as a kid as Indiana Jones, having the fedora, the wanting the, le- the leather jacket. Yeah, it's been cool. a big, been a big fan. Okay, and for those people who aren't super familiar with the Indiana Jones movies and various extensions of the franchise, looking at you, Dark Web, can you give us a brief rundown of what Indiana Jones is about? Sure, I will try. So, Dr. Henry Indiana Jones Jr. is a fictional American professor, archaeologist, and adventurer. He originally appeared in a series of movies produced by George Lucas and directed by Steven Spielberg in the 80s, in which he played by in which he was played by actor Harrison Ford. Those movies are Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1981, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom in 1984, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in 1989. And I love that movie. Um, the reason why I want to just break here and say that why I love that movie is it was at a time when me and my dad, my dad took me to go see it. We were, I was older and, and nobody else couldn't find any other friends to go, but he took me to that one. So in that movie being a, a dad and son movie really has stuck to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Indiana jo- and, and the last one has, was Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is in 2008. Indiana Jones is noted for his trademark bullwhip, his fedora hat, and his great fear of snakes. Indiana Jones is also the general name given to the series as a whole in which all four movies, a TV series, The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, novels such as children novels, uh, normal adult novels, and Find Your Fate books. I have one of those Find Your Fate books that I had as a kid. Comics as well. Video games, several of those, and other media such as role-playing games, theme park attraction, toys, and even a pinball machine based on the first three films was released in 1993. And I remember going to a video store uh, about maybe 30 minutes away, and they had the pinball machine. So anytime we would go up there to uh, rent Laserdiscs, it was the only place nearby that we could rent Laserdiscs, me and my buddy. So that's where we would go to rent our laser discs and put a lot of money in that Indiana Jones pinball <laughs> machine. <laughs> if I, I can find that, man, I would love to have that. So, ooh, maybe Crusade Bus is coming. I mm. might be able to get my, my list growing here. Well, you know the rule. You mention it enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got, but I got so many, I don't know what to do. But no, I understand completely on the pinball machine because I used to poke quarters into the uh, Temple of Doom arcade game. Oh, same here, too. That arcade game, I would go down to the Land's Castle, get the sack full of tokens or whatever, and plug, 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 plug. Man, that game was fun, too. It's never never as good on the consoles as yeah. playing it actually on the whole stand of it. Ah, sad but true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but hey, you mentioned Indiana Jones had a comic from Marvel. They if did. people have individual issues of that series and want to get them bound together, do you know how somebody could do that? Well, Clinton, I am glad you asked. Because this episode is sponsored by Omaha Bound Entertainment. And where Omaha Bound is at their best is when they take hard bindings of those special comics in your collections, such as the Indiana Jones series from Marvel. 
The guys over at Omaha Bound do only the best high-quality binding, and this might be the best part. They custom design every cover, so every single hardcover they design is unique. And I have seen some, seen some that really look really fancy. In short, when you get your comics hardbound with Omaha Bound, you'll know that you have a truly one-of-a-kind collection. In addition to binding, they also sell special trade collections of hard-to-find comics also available on their website, which is omahabound.com. Treat yourself and those special comics right. Go to omahabound.com today. Man, I wish I could be fancy like that. Too bad I don't have a collection of Indiana Jones comics. Me neither. Well, <laughs> I mean, I've got a few scattered papers around here. You think they'd hardbind those? Sure. They'll hardbind anything you want. Cool, cool. But right now, let's stick to the plan and check out Indiana Jones and the Secret of the Queen's Giant. This film was posted to YouTube July 1st, 2020. That's right. This year, folks, just a few months ago, was posted up by Blast Beat Productions after a small theatrical screening. So check that. They're fitting right in with Omaha Bound. They're fancy. They're fancy. This film stars John Galligan as Indiana Jones, Blake Thomas as Kid Parker, Christopher Galligan as Forrestal, Scott Myers as Belloc, and Gabriella Martin as Sophia Hepgood, as well as several other name characters and several extras. It was written by the Galligan brothers and was a crowdfunded effort, though I'm completely unsure of the total budget. It was filmed in various locations in New York and New Jersey. At the time of this recording, it has just a little over 3,000 views on YouTube. Not too shabby with having been uploaded only a couple months ago. But I suspect it's probably going to go up in the next few months, because quite frankly, Indiana Jones is worth checking out. Mm -hmm. You know, it could always use more views, folks. With a runtime of just under 24 minutes, this fan film might require listeners to have a small free spot in their schedules, but at this point, Pat and I highly encourage you to take that moment and watch the film. Just check the show notes, click the link, and chill out with Indiana Jones and the Secret of the Queen's Giant. Then you can come right back for our discussion. Why should you do this? Well, for one, it's always more fun when everybody's on the same page. And for two, Pat and I are going to spoil the heck out of this film. So if you watch it, there's no way we're ruining any surprises. Be careful, Dr. Jones. Hey, hey. it's me. Well, that's the thing about me. Messy is my middle name. I knew only one person could make out that map. And you led us right to it. Gotcha! Get that! Get that! Okay, everybody back. Okay, good, because here's the rundown on Indiana Jones and the Secret of the Queen's Giant. And get ready, folks, because I'm going to talk. Queens, New York, 1934. 
Indiana Jones acquires a map that leads him on an action-packed adventure in a race to discover the Tree of Life. Turns out it's not in some far-off land, but growing in the middle of New York. Indy discovers a Simantanka stone inside the Queen's Giant, and he and Thomas Kidd Parker take off for their car. The two encounter rival treasure hunter Forrestal and his sidekick, who try to take any treasure Indy has found. After a brief scuffle, our heroes manage to make it back to the car where their allies are waiting, and the four of them drive back into town. Back at the National Museum, Indy discusses his find with Marcus Brody. He informs Indy that legend tells of a second Simantaka stone that will appear inside the tree if he returns alone. Outside Brody's off, Forrestal tries to convince Indy to help him look for a fertility idol in South America, but Indy has work to do looking for that second artifact. Indiana Jones returns to the tree and retrieves the second stone, despite encountering a man who claims that the stones have kept him alive for over 300 years. However, an even bigger problem presents itself in the form of Belloc and his muscular henchmen. Belloc reveals he is in league with Forrestal, who takes the stone from Indy in exchange for Belloc's help with the idol in South America. Belloc and Forrestal leave, with Indy attempting to take on their goons. Luckily, he's saved by Sophia and Wuhan. They all drive off in search of more adventure and better fortunes. But that's not all, folks. In a post credit sequence, a mysterious man delivers a package to Dr. Jones from Professor Oxley. The package reads, To Dr. Henry Jones Jr., The Adventure Society, from The Oxman, hinting at a potential sequel. And that, folks, is Indiana Jones and the Secret of the Queen's Giant. And as I've been talking for quite a bit, I'll turn this over to Pat. Pat, what do you think about this? Like you said, this was 24 minutes long, but I think well worth watching. Uh, there was like, I liked that little stinger at the end. Uh, I had to go back and kind of look at it to see what it actually said. And I found that very intriguing. I'm like, oh, I wonder what this is. And, you know, a, a lot of name dropping in this as well, too, from multiple sources of mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. It was neat to see uh, the characters that were in here as well. Uh, Sophia Hapgood or Hapgood. Sophia Hapgood uh, was interesting to see her play a role in this as well, too. Um Boy, there's just so much in this to kind of talk about here, I guess. Uh, What are your thoughts? I mean, it's a really fun movie. You'd think in 24 minutes you can't necessarily get everything that makes it an Indiana Jones film, but Mm -hmm. you really do, especially, I mean, even if you really take into account that they just have a handful of locations and, you know, Indiana Jones movies, we're used to globe hopping. Yeah, yep. But, and they do they do a lot of that just internally um, in the United States here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I like that piece where they do show you see the the map and then the red line going through and, and doing things uh, you know going to different spots. That was really neat to see. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah, oh. I was just going to say there's a lot of Indiana Jones tropes in this, like you said, the map with the red line. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the there's a bit with the snakes. There's uh, Indy losing his hat. There's a few of the uh, iconic lines of you know, yep, you know, and some of it it seemed like he also pulled from um, Han Solo lines as well. The, yeah, the beginning there, yep. But he said, "I got a bad feeling about this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's 
uh, hey, it's me. Yeah. I I really liked all that they threw in there. Uh, even from the beginning, the, I want to say, kind of homage to Raiders of the Lost Ark, that opening mm-hmm. where they don't show Indy. You know, you don't see his face for, for a little while in. Uh, and I like that as they're walking through the forest. Uh, really brought me back to Raiders of the Lost Ark on that one. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I know it's it's going to sound bad, but I don't mean it in a bad way. A lot of this movie takes from the other movies and just repurposes. But at the same time, pretty much all the indie sequels do that, too. Kind of did, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, they're they're meant to feel like the old pulp novels, pulp stories, you know. Mm-hmm. So definitely, I I found the 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 sprinkle of humor throughout it was great, uh, you know. And that, like you said, make me made me feel like I was watching an Indiana Jones movie. Um, you always have that, you know, right as the action ends or something, you have that quick, uh, short, uh, whipper or something like that of mm-hmm. India would say or somebody else would say, uh, to bring you back into, uh, you know, the fun of it, the adventure of it. Yeah. And then we mentioned, you know, how much it draws from like the movies, but, um, do you know if, like Sophia and Kid Parker, are they from some of the extended media or are they I'm original not, to this? You know, I'm not sure on Kid Parker, but Sophia Hepgood, her first appearance was from the one of the computer games, The Fate of Atlantis. And oh. she was in in that. And then she shows up some in some of the novels as well. Very nice. Yeah. When I saw that name, I'm like, oh, hey, I know that because I played the Fate of Atlantis on the computer. Back, you know, I'm a geek. I'm a nerd. <laughs> I love Indiana Jones computer games mm-hmm. um, and the video games as well, too. So, and I thought that was very cool. I'm like, yeah, I know her. Okay. What do you think about Marcus Brody showing up? I thought that was interesting. And the way they did that with not really showing his face, but you just, again, they kind of kept it low and kept it kind of on indies uh, focused on indie and but you could hear marcus's voice so mm-hmm. I, I found that very interesting i'm trying to figure out the timeline on this one where it fits in uh this is 1934 so i oh, oh goodness yeah. i know it's before raiders but i think it's after temple of doom give me just a moment google don't fail me now Nineteen thirty-four is okay. There's three adventures, three novels that play, take place in nineteen thirty-four. Raiders of the Lost Ark was thirty-six. Temple of Doom is thirty-five. So yeah, this takes place nineteen thirty-four, which would uh, be right before Temple of Doom and in between several different novels. Of the the adult books. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, I'm pretty sure they did their research. It definitely is. I think you can tell that it is something they really loved um, and took the time to make things as historically accurate as they mm-hmm. could. 
Um, just the visuals in it as well, too. The old car that's in it. Oh, I love that car. Yeah, that's really neat looking yeah. car. They did say they specifically had to rent that car for you know shooting, so I'm I'm sure that kind of cut into their budget. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool that they were able to do like a a small theatrical release of this out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been interesting to see on the big screen. Yeah, definitely. The quality was really great, and uh, you know the music. Of course, uh, mm-hmm. utilizing John Williams' music throughout it, uh, which I think really helped enhance it and make you feel like you were watching an Indiana Jones short movie. Yeah, and I mean, they even had the the whip specially made. Yeah. They made sure to get like as, as close to the hat and jacket and everything as they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just very well uh, put together, uh, costume wise, set wise, um, you, you know, just going back to where he does meet Marcus you know, in that building, you could definitely tell that, you know, meets him in the library, mm-hmm. um, very old, I want to say oldish looking, um, interesting, very interesting. Mm-hmm. The action in this, as always, you know, there's a lot of Indiana Jones action in here, mm-hmm. um, with the fights, yeah, several different fights, and I really like the way they would do that because he, man, he was really walloping on on the uh, the people that he was fighting, and they were fighting him back and really punching at him too. Yeah, and I mean they did it. I know a lot of people might say, "Oh, you know, well they cut away at the moment of impact, or they did this," and it's like go back and watch some of those actual Indiana Jones movies. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them do the same thing. It's yep. <clears throat> it's a lot more about you know what happens in your head to you know to splice that mm-hmm. scene together. Yeah, just like they did. You know, you know, this is kind of a, a serial kind of a based adventure going mm-hmm. on here. So you know, just like they did back then with the cutaways and, and that they did. Mm-hmm. Man, and I, I have to give extra kudos to them for. Getting that bodybuilder guy for <laughs> Belloc's henchman. Holy cow. I saw that guy walk up there. I'm like, holy cow, that guy is like super buff. And he's just like, I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, mm-hmm. It reminds me of, you know, they did the throwback fight of uh, Raiders where he throws down the pistol and fights the the Nazi soldier mm-hmm. in, in the airplane. Um, it's That's what I really liked about it. It's just a lot of throwback um, scenes out of love. It wasn't just that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just straight, straight up mimicking it. It was taking what has come before. And like you said, out of love, they, they take it and take their own spin on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, researching on this, yes, I'd actually did a little bit of research. I found out that the queen's giant is an actual tree. Oh, like I, you know, everybody in New York's probably just screaming at us right now, like you idiots. Of course it is. <laughs> I had no idea. That's interesting. In fact, you know, I had to look at the title the, like two or three times before I realized it wasn't like a possessive Queens. You know, it means Queens, New York. But <laughs> well, I, I, and I was wondering about that. And then once once you find out where they are in the movie, where they're in the forest, and it says you know Queens, New York, and it gives the the year. I'm like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Queen's Giant is also known as the Alley Pond Giant. It's 
considered to be the oldest tree in New York. Uh, when it was last measured in 2005, it stood 134 feet tall, and it's thought to be over 450 years old. So I wonder if that fence that was around it is actually there to protect it? Probably. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting that there's a fence around yeah. it. And then- but at the same time, they they made good use of the fence. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't just like try to blur it away or or anything like that they you know because you see indy like try to climb up at it at mm-hmm. one point and then it just kind of cuts away and he's already on the other side so it's like oh okay we don't have to see indy Ill- you know potentially illegally scaling yeah. the fence <laughs> yeah definitely i was what i found interesting about the story is that he had to go back to get the second piece of it and then f- kind of wrestling with the older guy that's been in the tree for how long mm-hmm. um, that was kind of interesting i was hoping he would go back into the tree and, and you know find another path or something that he needed mm-hmm. to go down or something yeah i'm kind of like you i really wish they had explored that part of it a little more Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong, I really like Belloc showing up and all that, but, yeah, you know, I feel like we we probably could have added a little more here, and some of it, you know, is like clearly homage to Last Crusade with, you know, the the knight yes. keep, keeping the, the guard and all that. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, of course, you know, the guy jumping out of the tree, I... I kind of jumped a little bit. I'll be yeah, honest. It did. It scared me a little because he's like reaching in. And all of a he's arm. He gets dra- grabbed and then like whoa. So that was it. Was really good. I would say this movie, this fan film, was mm-hmm. done really well. And yes, Belloc showing up and then he does this signature move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, oh, I know what's going to happen now. <laughs> Do you have any lows or whatas? Because I know we're just gushing on the highs here. Um, like I said, my low was that part of the, um, having under, trying to understand why he had to go back. I kind of get it, you know, mm-hmm. go back at the second stone, show up by yourself. Um, as, as far as any other lows I have in it, uh, perhaps it would have been cool to see more of some of the other characters. Like, I don't know who the, the kid Parker was, so maybe I'm missing something, um, I don't under I don't really understand that. I do like the callbacks that they give. You know, they mention short round. Yeah, he taught mm-hmm. me how to drive. Um, that was really neat. And you know, a lot of a couple of different name droppings of uh, char- other characters throughout the Indiana Jones series. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'd kind of like to know a little bit more about the other characters. You know, are they just like wannabe adventurers? So they're hanging around Indy or Do they owe him a favor? Is it like short round? You know, they just kind of latched onto him and stuck around or what? Mm -hmm. Uh, As far as a a low from me, I know it's a nitpick. It's a complete nitpick and it's something that is beyond their control. But the road signs that show up, (laughs) you know, the, the modern day road signs that are part of the park where they filmed. Yeah. That's the only thing that really drew me out of the movie, but okay. you know, like I said, that's a nitpick. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. it's not really a low because it's not anything they could 
actually control without you know severe amounts of editing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that kind of threw me for a loop as well too. When I saw that, but I was like, you know, like you said, I'm just going to let it go and, and have some fun with this one. Mm-hmm. Do you I think def- this, Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just, I, I'm cutting ahead. Go ahead. I definitely like the end stinger at the end. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, now professor Oxley is, it, it sounds familiar, but I'm not, Oxley shows up in the fourth movie. Ah, okay. Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. He is, India is going to search for him because he's lost. And uh, that brings that adventure. That's how that adventure kind of begins is he's looking for Oxley to help him. Okay. All right. So would you say this uh, fan film is beginner friendly? Like if somebody had watched say just one Indiana Jones movie and they were curious for more. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, uh, if you've, yeah, if, if they've have watched one Indiana Jones, this would be a good one to show as well too. You definitely get that flavor for an Indiana Jones movie. And really, I guess, I guess you would, I would call this like a bite sized Indiana Jones movie. It's a good way to sum it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, people that are longtime indie fans like yourself, uh, would you say it's definitely good for you to like kind of tide you over until there might be new indie material? Yeah, I think it, I'm definitely interested in the sequel if they're going to make it or not. Um, like I said, that did pull me in with the characters. It pulled me in with the story. Um, and I, I'm definitely interested in what this team, this production team, uh, if they're going to do a sequel on it or not. Um, it definitely pulled me in, tied me over for the fifth movie. I'm hoping for the <laughs> fifth movie. Um, you know, Harrison Ford isn't getting any younger. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. He's not. But according to, you know, the, the way they respond to comments on YouTube, it sure sounds like they want to make a sequel to yeah. this. So I'd be all for it. Yeah. Go out there and, and take a look. A watch on this and get those numbers up for them. Yeah, definitely, definitely get the get their views up so they know that people are interested in this, that they want to see more. And I mean, you've listened to us already, folks. You know this is one that's well worth watching. It will make your indie heart proud. Just go watch it. This this is right up there with the animated segment Jared and I looked at a few episodes ago. That was good as well, too, yeah. I would definitely, like I said, definitely, definitely want to see more of this. Okay, so that about wraps it up for Indiana Jones and the Secret of the Queen's Giant. Pat, before we completely wrap up, though, where can the listeners find you if they want to hear more from you? Well, Clinton, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Longbox Crusade Network on many different shows uh, at... Otherwise, you can also find me on Twitter at Christatos01. Good, good, good. Now, since you're down here already, is there any way you can just let me out of the basement? I mean, I've been down here for a long, long time. Not quite 300 years like the dude in the tree, but, you know, I'm practically (laughs) buried treasure already, so... Yeah, I think I can probably take you upstairs and, you know, for Christmas we let you out a little bit and there was a little incident. But anyway, um, 
Yeah, just why don't you wait here? Um, yeah, I think I can probably take you upstairs and wait. That's it. Upstairs. I've been reading this map all wrong. The treasure isn't down here. It's in the attic. Man, I've been duped. I better hurry up before somebody else finds it. But Pat, uh, oh, dang it. He's already run off. Wait a minute. Didn't he say he got that map from Rick's stuff? I bet it's just some exaggerated plan to trick Pat into a monthly Monday movie muckabout. Oh, well, good luck with that one. Anyway, guess I'll pause for a promo break and come back with some listener feedback. Hey, Jared, I have a question. What's up? Well, I've been a part of the Longbox Crusade for about a year and a half now. Yeah? Well, that's not a question, man. I know. I'm getting to it. That was called Build Up. Like I was saying, I've been with the Longbox Crusade, and I have gone out and represented the show faithfully. That's still not a question. I'm still building up. I was wondering, could I be a part of the official promo? There's this great promo for the podcast that airs across podcast land, and it has Pat Sampson, the founder of the show, you, the art cell artist, and your brother, Jason, a.k.a. Weasel Skull. But it doesn't have me, Delvin Williams. The Dark Web. Could you ask the guys if they would let me be a part of the promotion since you were the one who invited me onto the show? Well, not to be a Mr. Quick to correct, but that was at least two questions. Still, I guess I'll ask. Let me go talk to the guys and you stay here. Okay, great. Thanks, man. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up, Jared? What's up, Jared? I have a question. Delvin's been with us for like a year and a half. That's not a question. Uh, yeah, I know. It's called Build Up. Hey, can we finally include him on the promo? It's the least we can do. He doesn't know that we're getting paid yet. And he never will. I mean, do we need him? After all, we already have the Longbox Crusade. And I provide awesome synopsis and insight on Crusader Chronicles. And I host Saturday Matinee Theater and also provide these nuts jokes. Hey, I do that. Me too. So we're fine as it is. What does Delvin do? We should just let him go. Wait, he hosts Transformers Chronicles. You should know that, Pat. You're on that show. So what do you say? Can we keep him? <sighs> Fine. Let's do it. Let's do it live. We could have done this with him in the room. It would have made more sense. Why is he outside? I think we were doing a bit. Okay, let's do this. The Longbox Crusade Podcast Network is the place to be if you like deep dives in the comics of yesteryear with the Longbox Crusade. Chronological reading journals with Crusader Chronicles. Indexing forgotten TV shows, films, and serials with Saturday Matinee Theater. Pitting two randomly selected action films against one another in action film face-off cataloging the Marvel run of the Transformers comic with Transformers Chronicles and whatever else the demented minds of Pat, Jared, Jason, and Delvin can come up with. If that sounds like it might be for you, be sure to subscribe to The Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much all reputable podcast feeds. Or check us out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com where we continue our quest to... Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the feedback portion of the show. Before we dive right in, I'd like to give a shout-out to the Crusaders Club members. Thank you very much for your patronage. You are what helps keep this show afloat, as well as everything else on the Longbox Crusade Network. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. So, last episode, Paul Hicks joined me to look at Spawn the Recall. And we got likes, shares, retweets, all that fun stuff from Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, Paul Hicks, The Hammer Strikes, Laurel at Mountain Flower One, The Longbox Crusade, GLHG, that's Green Lantern HG for all you people not in the know, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, 
Delvin Williams, the dark web himself. Jerry Green, that's Professor Frenzy. It's a show. Courtney Holland. DJ Christados, my guest for this episode. Jonathan Schaefer-Hames. Sean Ross of the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Michael Paris, that's the director for Spawn the Recall, folks. He shared us. And Chris at BTO and Bat Books. If I missed anybody on that list, let me know because I was kind of like in a daze on social media the last few weeks. Sorry, folks. I probably did miss several of you. We got some feedback from longtime commentator Green Lantern HG who says, Wait, is that the voice of podcast legend from Waiting for Doom, Koala Hugger, Kangaroo Kicker, Dingo Biter, and from uh, certain pictures, Sheep Torturer, Paul Hicks? Great episode, guys. He says, I remember seeing this movie so long ago that I don't remember anything about it. Oh, HG. He goes on to say, but still, I enjoyed this episode. I followed Spawn for two years, I think, and the film was good, but it left me wanting more. I remember when I saw this fan film, I thought, why can't they try for another film? But still waiting. And have you noticed that Malbo Malabaloni voice sounds like uh, a lot like Mephisto? Mephistim and um, Tim Price? I'm sure it's just a coincidence, but, well, you know, HG, there, there are only, you know, so many voices in the universe, I guess, maybe. Anyway, we also got some feedback from Rick Heineken of Jeff and Rick Present, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. He says, a few years back, someone asked if they could help out with a crossover podcast we were doing. I told him, sure, he could be Mephisto without ever hearing him speak. And now he is everywhere doing the voice. I created a monster. Oh, come on. You didn't create this monster. You just gave him an audio platform. And Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, just plainly said, Fun episode, fellas. Well done. Well, thanks, everybody. I do appreciate everybody writing in. I love all the likes, shares, retweets, all that fun stuff, because anything that gets this show noticed helps bring in more audience and helps this grow so we can all watch more fan films. So, one last bit of thanks to Pat Sampson for being my guest today, and thanks to everyone for listening, and until next time, this has been Fan Film Fridays. Today you can take your telephone, your, your, your cell phone, you can make a movie on that. And if it's a really cool movie that's funny and it's dramatic or whatever, you can post it on YouTube. If you want to make films and you want to tell stories, you can do it. After all, all art is experience. But if you're obsessed with film and you love to tell stories and you love working in that medium, uh, then uh, that will give you the strength to be persistent. To make it.